Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Memory banks, right? There should be obvious examples of it. There should be, oh yeah, there's this time and this time and this time and that time where he did these things. You have to go back and comb through and pick through, wait, did that happen in that game? Oh, yeah, I guess he was pretty good there. There hasn't been a steady run of it. There just has not been. Well, I do think a lot of it is the coaching has been bad. I, 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 I do believe that if Kenny had been drafted into another system with a different coach, his career right now would look a lot different. I my thing with I don't him think he would have the lowest touchdown rate in he, the history probably of the NFL better. through – 24 starts. He'd probably look better, but I think it's only in a matter of degree. I, can a different coach convince him to stay in the pocket? I just think so many of his problems are derived from, and coaching can fix some of this, from a lack of like awareness, maybe not reading things quick enough. If you have a coach who gives him a very easy and routinely open first read, I'm sure he would look different. Drop back, hit, drop, hit my back, step on my drop, see throw, hit like throw. Like preseason, Kenny. Yeah, but, I mean, doesn't that stand to reason that that is the problem? When you're in the preseason, what do we always hear about vanilla, uh, defenses? They're vanilla. They're no basic. One's, no one's trying to show you what they're going to show you. They're just putting a defense out there and saying, okay, we are playing either a 3-4 or a 4-3. We are playing man-to-man. We are playing our most basic zone. There are no tricks here. What you see pre-snap is actually what you get. Because you're trying to evaluate whether a player can, like, do the basic things, tackle in space, run a good route, throw a good ball. That – the one part of that that doesn't apply in the regular season is the quarterback's angle. He's got to do way more the minute those games start getting real. I, I think that Kenny is a quarterback stylistically who appeals to a lot of old-school football people. So when Bradshaw says he's a tough-minded kid, you know, I've met him or I've talked to him. I know how he's wired. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Those things. And then you say that, you know, he did, Terry didn't mention this, but a lot of – the pro Kenny people will say, and look at his record. He finds a way to win games. You know, they like the moxie part of him. They like the fact that he's a battler, that he's are you at a all, football player. Are you at all surprised? Like a lot of the things that I – I saw those qualities in him his rookie year, but then I thought he was going to uh, expand on those and build off of those his second season, and it didn't happen. And I'm allowing for the possibility that in Smith's offense, he will look better. But my issue is I just don't want to put all my eggs in that basket – like Terry Bradshaw does and like other people do. I don't want to just make the full-on 100% commitment to him because I do think that there's an equal chance, if not a greater chance, that he doesn't figure those things out this year, even with a new offensive coordinator. i got to go back to the whole he's, he's tough-minded maybe. Um, he's a tough kid. I think they like there's, a, there's an innate toughness that they set, guys like Terry might sense about him. Is that even true? Like what would a Terry Bradshaw think if a guy – 
doesn't finish the game in Houston, and like two days later, when we're wondering if he's got torn ligaments in his knee, says, oh, by the way, I'm good. I'm good. I'm playing." Well, I wonder. Patrick Mahomes is tougher. Guys like that are, are have mean, shown much more demonstrable, obvious he, physical toughness. He might look at the way he handled the thing, the thing with Rudolph at the end of the year as a positive because he was so pissed about it, and that shows you what a competitor he is. I don't know. It's a good question. Competitiveness doesn't matter a whole lot if you don't actually deliver with performance on the back end. It's great to be hyper-competitive. I'll take, like, Patrick Mahomes, hyper-competitive guy. Brady, hyper-competitive. Ben didn't put in the first in, last out work, but he was super competitive on the field. I would say that. I don't think you'd be crazy not to. The guy wanted to win more yeah, than he wanted to. he's an ultimate competitor Yes. Type. I mean, and he, again, we've had fun with it, but Ben played through real obvious pain on the field, too. Yep. I just... I, and, it, and you know what? When I do this, then it sounds like you're just piling on. You hate the guy. No, I find the defenses of him from people who do know more about football than I do confounding when I consider the actual visual evidence. Donnie, let me hear the first part of that Brad's, uh, Bradshaw defensive picket again. Well, Come on, Terry. I'll tell you what, Rich. I know him. I know him well. And he's fiercely competitive. He's... He's extreme. He's tough-minded kid. Uh, things don't bother him. Uh, I really like him a lot. Look, I'm gonna say this for the ten thousandth right time. There. Stop it right there. I just wanted to hear the very beginning of that again. What he started with—that's exactly the way I got uh, hypnotized and entranced to be such a big-time picket supporter. You get to know him. You hear him talk. He's so committed to his craft. He takes it so seriously. He is maniacal about things. He eats. He drinks. He breathes football. You're, when you're around somebody like that, you think that that, um, that that approach to their job is going to make them successful. And so when you're friends with somebody or when you have a relationship with somebody like that, you want to buy stock in them. You want to get behind them. You want to believe in them. It's easy to do. It's well, also easy to twist attitude. potential negatives into positives, right. like being sulk, being obviously mad. I think we can all just say that. Mad that he wasn't the starter at the end of the season gets twisted into he's so competitive. Here's the problem, just to interject for a second. You say all those things. Now, I don't. you didn't know this guy. I don't really know the guy. The guy's whole career has been like he's very polished, and so it's hard to get really into the inner circle. All of those intangible qualities, eats his sport, drinks his sport, sleeps his sport, takes care of himself, is hyper-disciplined, is upset to the point of obsession about improving his game year after year, apply to Sidney Crosby in every way, shape, and form. The hardest working athlete I think I've ever seen. There is a massive difference, however. He went number one overall because everyone knew that all of those gifts that he had, uh, those intangible gifts, were matched by prodigious talent. Kenny yeah. Pickett, at the most valuable position in the sport, went 20th well, in a draft class. Well, look at the people that are doubling down and tripling down on him. You know, it's the Steelers because they saw him at Pitt. He was right next door. They got a chance to know him and see a side of him that the other 31 teams, they don't have that opportunity. They talk to him like next week at the Combine or at Senior Day or at the Pro Bowl or whatever else. Uh, personal visit, guy flies out to the team, meets with them, 
It's not the same thing as being around the guy or close to the guy every day. It's an object lesson, though, I think, in not getting too close or getting suckered into your own, like, overwhelmingly close-minded evaluation. Isn't this why whenever, I mean, I'm, I'm making a wild leap here, but, like, it's like one of those crime shows whenever the next-door neighbor is revealed to have been, like, some sort of hideous monster. It's like, wow, we didn't think that. I mean, Jim was such a nice guy. I mean, he was just a regular well, and, dude. And compare that. Because we got to know him so and, well. And contrast what he, what Bradshaw said about Pickett to the way he used to talk about Ben early in his career. He used to murder the guy. You know, a lot of it was off the field stuff, but he'd say things like, I've got no personal relationship with Ben. I've got, you yeah, know, we've because, got no friendship whatsoever. Yeah. I, 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 That's because Ben probably didn't kiss his ring. You know what I mean? Ben didn't kiss his ass. And Ben didn't endure any early career hardships on the field. It was instant success. Right, rookie of the year, right from the very beginning. And win every game until the AFC Championship game. Win the Super Bowl in year two. I, I just, man, I just get very tired of, like, you can you can want an athlete to have all those attributes Terry's talking about, but it shouldn't be your only way of judging a person. And unfortunately, that seems to be what Mike and Kevin and everybody else involved with making the pick, Art as well, all decided the, to, to hang their hat the on. The number one thing that I heard there from that, from Bradshaw that I'm surprised to hear him say, though, is he thinks he wa he watched the guy play and he thought he saw poise last year. I saw the opposite in almost every, like, in the, and I shouldn't say almost every, in the clear majority of situations, I saw the opposite of poise. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, let's talk with Steelers insider Ray Fittipaldo. The Combine is next week. That'll be a big week. There's... Some uh, in the media that are expecting that's when the Justin Fields trade will happen, although the odds makers now think Atlanta will be Fields' next team and not Pittsburgh. Uh, Jerry Dulac in his chat yesterday thought that there was merit to a Deontay Johnson trade. Brian Batko on his Post-Gazette podcast still thinks that there's a possibility that happens. So that's two of the Post-Gazette Steelers beat writers. Let's see if they can make it a hat trick here with Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, what do you think of the Johnson trade thing? Chris off the air said he thinks it's about 50-50 Johnson gets traded. Do you agree with that? Two out of three ain't bad. Let's put it that way. I just, guys, I just don't know who's going to play receiver if you trade Deontay Johnson. Um, they're not deep there. Calvin Austin hasn't shown enough. And the Steelers have never been a team that, goes into any season counting on a rookie at any position. So I just don't see how it adds up. I think you just play it out with Deontay um, in his final season of his contract, see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, I, I just don't see a trade happening at this point 
given the lack of depth behind him and George Pickens. Do you think there's any – I mean, I'm not going to say a first-round pick, but do you think there's a high enough like second-round pick or something like that that could change their minds, Ray, uh, and they just say that's too good of an offer draft capital-wise to pass up? We've got to try to make this move. <clears throat> okay, so let's say let's say it's pick number 40. Yeah. If you're if, Okay, so if you're trading pick number 40 in the draft, you're pretty much going to have to do a sign-and-trade. Like, you're going to – have to come to terms with the agent before you make that deal and say, hey, we're going to sign you. These are the numbers. And you would have to have that wink and nod because you're not going to take on that contract that Deontay has for one year. I think it's it's fairly reasonable. I, you know, I think it's like $15 million a year, whatever it is. But you're not going to give away a second-round pick for Deontay Johnson for one season. I don't think. Unless, unless yeah. you're a team that really thinks – He's going to put you over the top like maybe the Kansas City Chiefs would do that. But, you know, you'd be getting pick number 61 or 62, whatever. So that's that's kind of where I am right now. I, I just think there's a lot of um, things that go into that equation that might not be as simple as people think. Ray, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but – not only do you think the Steelers will sign Ryan Tannehill, I get the sense you think it's a good idea. Yeah, I do think it's a good idea. What about it do you like from that perspective then? Uh, I just like the fact that um, he's been around Arthur Smith. I think he can not only help Kenny Pickett learn the offense, but I think he could be a sounding board for everyone in that room, receivers, tight ends, running backs. Um, I think he'd, he'd be a good source of information for how Arthur Smith approaches offense. So, um, you know, I think that's one reason. And I think the other reason is that for whatever reason, whether it's injuries or whether it's um, substandard play, you would have a veteran in place who knows how to run that offense. And I, I just think that's very important in this this kind of um, uh very important year for, for the quarterbacks, right? I mean, you you want to find out about Kenny Pickett, but if something happens there, you want to have somebody to fall back on who can run that offense and still help you um, compete for a playoff spot. So um, I, I just think it makes all the sense in the world. Um, I, it's going to be a huge topic out in Indy next week. I'm sure Omar's going to you know dance around it, but um, we're going to know one way or the other in about three weeks once free agency starts and uh, all these pieces start falling into place. Ray, do you think there's a better chance today that Mason Rudolph is back on the roster or that it is another quarterback like Ryan Tannehill? I think another quarterback like Ryan Tannehill. And it's not it's nothing against Mason and what he did last year. I, I just think we, we've turned the page here. And, um, you know, I, I think Mason could still come back, but I think – when you bring in a new OC, you bring in a new quarterback's coach, it's a different system. Not everything is going to be the same. Like There was a lot of similarities between Randy Feekner and then Matt Canada, a lot of stuff. Um, there were changes, but it wasn't like it was a complete um, you know, 180 from what they were doing. And I think Arthur Smith's offense is different enough that uh, – you know, they might want to go in a different direction there. But, again, it's nothing against Mason. I think that guy made himself a lot of money um, at the end of last season. He's going to land somewhere on his feet 
if he's not back here in Pittsburgh. But I, I just think we're in a new era here, and I think uh, you know I, I don't think it would be bad to to change out uh, you know two of your three quarterbacks. Ray. Uh, Rich Eisen had Terry Bradshaw on his show, asked him about the Steelers quarterback situation and specifically Kenny Pickett. Terry Bradshaw said they shouldn't trade for fields, bad idea, and opined that they merely need to surround Kenny Pickett with more help, better tackle, tight end, wide receiver, guard he even named. And then he said this guy's shown poise and he'll he'll be just fine if you surround him with the right pieces and help him. How do you feel the Steelers have done when it, as it pertains to surrounding Kenny Pickett with good pieces thus far in his career? I mean, that's what they've done in the draft since 2021, and it was it was started before Kenny was even in place. Um, you know, with Najee Harris and uh, Pat Fryermuth for one year, and then you get Pickens the, in, in the second round after you pick Pickett, and then you you shore up the offensive line last year with with prior Rick Jones. So it would be great if they can continue to do that. They certainly need the help. They need a center. They need a right tackle. They could use a solid number three who could develop beyond that. But, and we've talked about this in the past, they haven't drafted defense in the first round since Devin Bush in 2019. Eventually, guys, you got to start replenishing that side of the ball as well. they got to continue to get younger at corner on the defensive line, pretty much everywhere on that defense, too. So I, I agree with Bradshaw. It would be great if they could swing it, and maybe they can. You know, maybe free agency, you you, you, um, you know, make a few signings on defense, and some of those things we just talked about don't become draft priorities. But, you know, as things stand right now, I think there are other places um, that they could go, and specifically on defense, instead of continuing to spend your draft capital on offensive players. Ray, I want to go back to Mason Rudolph for a second, because I know Jerry has written a few times now, and I, 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 you haven't said anything to the contrary in what you've written, that the Steelers want Mason Rudolph back. They want yeah. him back. So yeah. if they want him back, then why won't he be back? Well, it, that would be Mason's choice. He's about to hit free agency. Um the, the the first time he could have hit free agency, he sort of signed that that five million dollar deal that kept him in place for one more year, and then his his trek through free agency last year was just it was bad. And I, I think he finally wants to find out what he's worth. Um, and let's look at this from Mason's perspective, knowing what Mike said to the public, and I don't know what was said to Mason on his his exit interview, but. If this is truly a year when they do want to find out about Kenny Pickett, where is the potential growth for Mason Rudolph unless there's an injury or unless Kenny loses that job? So, you know, Mason might look around at other situations. There might be one that's more attractive for him. And, um, again, you know, spending six six seasons in one city is good. I could definitely see that continuing, but – Sometimes it's good for the other party to to move on and maybe have their their career um, uh, you know boosted in a different city. So it's it's all about perspective here. But um, I, I do think if Mason wants to come back, I think the Sears will gladly have him back. Yes. Would they rather have him than Ryan Tannehill? Then. 
You know, um, I think Arthur Smith would probably rather have Ryan Tannehill, but maybe some others in that building, um, you know, might you know might be more familiar with with Mason Rudolph. Um, so that's going to be an interesting dynamic, guys. As as we get closer to free agency, you know, Omar Khan's going to be talking to Mike Tomlin and his staff. I'm sure Arthur will be out there at the combine for a couple of days, and all those things will be discussed. And if Arthur feels really strongly that he wants Ryan Tannehill here, um, I, I think they would listen to that. And if, if obviously if the money is right too, but um, you know we've seen them allow him to get some some pieces in place on his staff, you know, four or five hires that, you know, have his name on it. So I would not be surprised at all if the backup quarterback or the number three quarterback had his name on it. I keep seeing they, they want him, they want him. I have a hard time believing that Tomlin actually wants him back. I really do. Based on the way he's treated him in the past? because Yeah, yeah. And he he doesn't meet – he doesn't meet his, his his traits in a quarterback are not what he's talked about right. for the last two years, right. demanding or desiring in the position either. Well, nor nor does Arthur he meet Arthur, Arthur Smith's criteria. Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill, right. well, all those guys can move. Exactly. So, but that's why I'm skeptical they, of this whole idea that they want him back. But did Mason change Mike's mind in the final four games of the season? That's what really you have to think about. But uh, yeah, if you're talking strictly from what Mike wants and from the way Arthur operates, um, the mobile quarterback, the guy who can move a little bit, uh, yeah, you're reading that uh, 100% right. Hey, Ray, I, I know this guy doesn't have a say in it or he shouldn't have a say in it. Who do you think Kenny Pickett would rather have backing him up this year, Tannehill or Rudolph? Oh, I think you always want the familiarity, and I think there's, you know, the Mason and, and Kenny and even, you know, when, when Mitch was here, all those guys got along really well. You know, they all – speak highly of each other in that room. So, I, you know, if you ask Kenny right now off the record, I'm sure he'd tell you Mason, but he probably doesn't even know Ryan Tannehill. Or if he does, you know, it's just, um, you know, in passing. So, um, again, sometimes it's good to have a shakeup in, in a position room. New ideas come in. I think we saw that with the offensive line last year. And, again, I don't know if it would be a bad idea if that happened in the quarterback room either. Ray Fittipaldo, Steelers Insider Post-Gazette. Thanks, Ray. We'll talk again next week. All right, guys. Talk to you later. I was 210 pounds when I left Cleveland. I was 170 pounds sitting in Vegas that August, that September, October, whatever it was later in that year. How you lose 40 pounds? You're on a strict diet of blow. Donnie's Dog Pick is brought to you by Farmer's Dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. Total request Thursday. You pick the 530 topic. We don't get involved. We just put it out there. You you decide. And 55% of you today want to talk about cocaine. Yes, these are our listeners. Big Ben only 11.8%. Justin Fields 27.3%. NIL, which is a very hot topic these days, Yes, came in at just 5.9% tough one for nil today so we're talking cocaine that was johnny manzel on his strict blow diet where he lost 45 pounds in just a few months sitting in las vegas just ripping lines of cocaine what was he trying to do out there play poker what was supposed to be his probably just parting his balls off how old do you think johnny manzel is right now uh hold on a second 31 yep 
31 years old. His last NFL game was in 2015. He was 23 years old when his NFL career ended. So his career ended before Kenny Pickett age-wise even started. Career numbers for Manziel. Seven touchdowns to seven picks. Career record for Manziel, two and six. He only started eight games in his career, Chris. Duck Hodges won more games as an NFL starting quarterback than Johnny Manziel. That's, I mean. It's insane, It's bro. wild. It's wild how pretty much every pre-draft analysis of him that was like, this guy is a powder keg uh, and is waiting to. He came out doing the dollar yeah. signs right from the very beginning. I do think it's funny that by far his highest passing total in a game, of course, came against the Steelers, but the Steelers did blow them out in that game. He has as many 300-yard games in his career as Kenny does, I think. Where would you rank him among quarterbacks that if their life had not gotten away from them, they would have been good? So the, uh, so the top three for me, in no order yet, are Leaf, J Jamarcus Russell, and Manziel, who didn't take their didn't take their job seriously, allowed for the uh, trappings of celebrity and the money to prevent them from Russell's, actually Russell's trying. number one. I mean, for me, More than Leaf? Yeah, I mean, people have talked about Russell and said, like, if this guy cared about play, about putting in the, the, the mental side work and all of that stuff to be a great quarterback, they I heard stories of him, like, he would get down in, like, the kneeling position like you were at church, and they'd just say, see how far you can throw the ball with no lower body, and he'd throw the ball 70 yards. Just all arm. Yeah, he's got one of the great arms in NFL history, but I don't know if he had the complete package like Leaf did, although Leaf was not a great what did, runner. I mean, what did Leaf really have, though? He had a great arm, too. All you're really saying is comparing two guys with who are physical prototypes for the position who had great arms. Um, but I felt like Leaf could do the intermediate and the other stuff. How about stuff. Jeff George? Rhythm throws better. How about a guy like that with just an absolute Was George really arm? into drugs and stuff? No, I guess his life didn't get away from him. Arch Schleister, right, if I wanted to do that That's the next guy that popped one. into my head. Arch Schleister. Um, Manziel's probably up there. Just Arch Schleister should have, like, why is he not on a handicapping show? I don't you know, think a handicapping show wants anything to do with Mr. Schleister. Pete Rose got back in TV after everything. He could, he could, don't you feel like Pete Rose is more persona non grata, though, than not at this point? But if Schleister marketed himself as, hey, I was doing this before it was cool. I, I really know my stuff. <laughs> the idea that Arch Schleister played for Woody Hayes is just absolutely wild, and that Arch Schleister ended up ending Woody Hayes' career by throwing a like, pick. I don't, think that man's, I don't think that Leaf or Jamarcus Russell were overdrafted. You know, like, I think they went in the draft where they were supposed to go yeah. and then just peed their careers away. Yeah. I think Manziel was overdrafted. I think he really – that Merrill Hodge clip that's, that goes viral every now and then of him being on uh, first take with Stephen A. Smith and saying, just, if you take Johnny Manziel, it's a wasted pick, and it's it was about what he saw on tape. It wasn't anything about, like, the dude's personality. I mean, he was a scram – you know, he kind of reminded me of some of his highlights of Caleb Williams – He's roll. He's going crazy. He's running around all Everything over the off place. Schedule. Yep. Those big like the Alabama highlights where he went into Tuscaloosa and beat him. He's thrown to like what Ryan Swope for let's remember some guys. Mike Evans. Right, but he's thrown to guys. There's a play there where he gets the ball knocked out of his hands. He just grabs it back again real quick and then throws it. None of it was happening in the, the, the context of the, of the play. Offense. Yep. And so I do think about that a lot with Williams. 
because I know that people say, well, Mahomes does that. Mahomes is transcendent, man. Chris, He's otherworldly. It's funny you say that because, that's again, that's a Merrill Hodge critique of Caleb Williams. He's not convinced that he's good. He would not I, use the first pick on him. I don't think I would either. In fact, I'm like, eh, do I want to go on the record with a hot take on February 22nd? My More than 50-50, Caleb, if you give me two options, Caleb Williams just – Never, great, never like really a good NFL quarterback or Caleb Williams second coming of Mahomes or like that type of level player even, I'll take the first option there. I think Drake May is going to end up being the better quarterback. I think there's an outside chance that like one of the other guys, a Daniels or somebody else from that group hits more than they're – like Williams, I don't know, man. People just got tricked into the idea that he's this top-shelf athlete and he does all these insane things with his arm talent. I'm not sold, and, and Merrill's not the only one who's it, not sold. It's a him. hard thing to throw out there because it happened 50 years ago, but do you think that there's old Steelers heads out there that, who think that if Gilliam didn't get involved probably. in drugs, he would have been better than Bradshaw? Prob- probably. Well, because I think that's like Noel the— played a, Noel picked him as a starter over him. I think that that's also probably one of those things, if you're a Steelers lifer who's older than us and, and saw those guys growing up, you'd say because— you feel like, hey, I really know ball. Like, if I put this opinion out there, it conveys that I really knew what I was watching. I mean, man, you probably named the correct three in the NFL. I'd go Russell, Leaf, Manziel. I'm just trying to think. I'd if go Leaf, Russell, Manziel. I think there. I'm just trying to think if there's anybody else that has screwed up their own life the way Johnny, the way those three guys did. To leave, I guess to really to Leaf and what Manziel's credit, especially Leaf, he's been very forthright about like, yeah, I was a complete screw up. Manziel, to a, it seems like, is trying to do that a little bit. Donnie, let me hear that clip for Manziel again. I was 210 pounds when I left Cleveland. I was 170 pounds sitting in Vegas that August, that September, October, whatever it was later in that year. 40? How you lose 40 pounds? You're on a strict diet of blow. He sounds like he's been chewing shot glasses for breakfast in that clip. So he went from the end of the years in January, and he said by September, forty pounds. He lost forty, so that's nine months. Forty pounds, Pony. I've never done cocaine, nor do I plan to. You, I think, have gone on record as saying yes. Uh, Oh yeah. Occasionally, the Bolivian marching powder has entered your system. Does it remove for you the? uh, Did it remove for you the desire to eat anything? It was just party all the time. I just wanted to stay up all the time. Yeah, it was bad. But you weren't hungry. No, no, you don't want to eat on it. I think. In my experience, food actually grosses you out. Really? Yeah. Man. Uh, So that's 40 pounds in in nine months. Donnie, how long did it take you to lose 45? Ten weeks. Two and a half months. So take that, Manziel. Yeah, cocaine, not as efficient as you think as a weight loss Awaken 181, cocaine zero. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Two, actually, 35 and six weeks for me. Oh, that's that's a shutout, man. Uh, who do you think is the all-time Steelers example of a guy that just wasted it away? Martavis? Probably. I mean, man, you know how I feel, though, about guys like that, that the weed situation, where, where I just feel like it's, it's so much I don't more think it the was NFL. Ju- uh, yeah, I don't think, I think it was I think he was a bit weed, of a screw-up. I think he was a bit of a screw-up. Yes, pure talent, it's got to be him. I've, never, I've still never seen a wide receiver more naturally gifted than him. I'll give you a weird one that's not about, like, drug use, to the best of my knowledge, or drinking. Big Dan McCullers. Just love to eat. Natural ability, though, to be uh, to literally stand there and basically not have large grown men move him. The guy could have been an all-time great player. I really believe that. With his size and his athleticism, he was drafted in the sixth round because at Tennessee, I don't think he really cared about football. And I think the same thing was true in the NFL. He did. He did. 
just enough to keep himself on on NFL rosters year after year. Who's the guy we heard this about, though? I, I think I can tell this story now that Doran has relayed to us. Mario Williams just like, you know, Doran's, uh, we all will look at Doran and we're like, well, Doran's a great athlete. That, you know, that's what great athletic ability looks like. And then Doran would say Mario Williams was basically the guy great athletes looked at. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.